Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Kenny teaches from Proverbs 16, verse 9. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps, and he is bigger than our plans. We've been going through the, the book of James. We're in the middle of a series on James. And today we're going to do something a little bit different, but it's connected. We're going to look at uh, last, uh, two weeks ago, I taught on James chapter 4, verse 13 and 17. And it, it basically says this. It says, to those who say today or tomorrow we, were, we will do such and such, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So you should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And there's a, there's a cross-reference. A cross-reference is another, another Bible text that's in the scriptures that either connects with that or, or adds to it or highlights it or agrees with it. We call those cross-references. And we're going to look at a cross-reference today from Proverbs chapter 16. And so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16, that is where we're going to be at today. Proverbs 16, uh, 9 specifically and before we dig into Proverbs, we're switching to a new kind of type of, 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 of literature when we get into the Proverbs. So it's important to understand the Bible in context. And so when you're reading a poem, you should read a poem like a what? Like a poem. Good, man. We should play charades next. When you're reading history, you read it like history. So that's why we read through like the book of Judges and we're like, man, there's some messy stuff in there. Yeah, because that's what happened. And the Bible's just being honest. It's not agreeing with all the, the ugly things that happen. It's just saying, this is what happened. This is history, right? And there's things that we can learn from that. When you're reading the Proverbs, it's important that you understand they're not promises. When we read the Proverbs like promises, we can really, we can get those uh, out of context. So what are the Proverbs? The Proverbs is a book filled with, with virtue in wisdom, or as Eugene Peterson, God rest his soul, passed away uh, this, this last week, uh, has made a great impact with his writings on my uh, pastoral ministry. But he says this about the, the Proverbs. I think it's a good um, foundation for, for entering into it to understand. He says that wisdom has to do with becoming skillful in honoring our parents and raising our children and handling our money and conducting our sexual lives, and going to work, exercising leadership, using words well, and treating friends kindly, and eating and drinking healthily, and cultivating emotions within ourselves, and attitudes towards others that make for peace. And threaded through all of these items is the insistence that the way we think of and respond to God is the most important practical thing that we can do. In matters of everyday practicality, nothing, absolutely nothing, takes precedence over God. And the Proverbs concentrate on these concerns more than any other book of the Bible. And so, as you guys are at Proverbs 16, and we're just going to look at Proverbs 16.9, and I'm, I'm going to read it from the CSB, but all the translations are, are, are good. It says, Proverbs 16.9, it says, A person's heart plans his ways... But the Lord determines his steps. A person's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. This is one very short verse, but I assure you that it is filled with a great tension and a great depth. 
And so we have a lot to unpack this morning. Uh, Bruce Waltke, uh, in his commentary on this verse, says that this verse brings a balance. It balances divine activity with human initiative. Think about that. I mean, we, we're supposed to make plans and work hard, right, as humans? It's not a bad thing. But at the same time, we're supposed to remember that God is the one who controls the results. And there's some, there's some things that we're in control of, amen? I mean, we are in control of up to a certain point, but ultimately, we're not in control of everything. That's what the serenity prayer is for, right? Like, help me to deal with the things that I can control and help me to trust with the things that I can't. And that's what this verse is getting at in, in this tension is to balance uh, our, our human activity, which is important, and also God's uh, uh, divine activity in it. And there's three really things that I think we're going to learn this morning, and I hope we learn this morning, is that we have this perspective that we enter into every day with and we, we, we live our lives by, and it's this, that we will follow the Lord, right? We follow him. That's radically different than following the crowd. That's radically different than following your heart. We have chosen to follow the Lord, and so that is a starting point. And then number two is that, that we make plans and we work hard. We're supposed to make plans and work hard. That's what it says. And then number three, that we trust God ultimately for the results. And so in your notes, the first fill in the blank is this. It, uh, it's a question, who is following who? And that's what we asked when we looked at that James 4 is who's following who? And it's a good question. And if you have a paper Bible and not a, not a device, um, you're not better than anyone else, but you do get a little reward this morning. So if you have a paper Bible, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to either circle, underline, or highlight the word determines, right? The Lord determines our steps. So circle, underline, or highlight determines, and then over in the margin of your Bible, I'd encourage you to write something like, God is in charge, or God is in control, or God leads. Because the word determines, it means it's up to him, right? It means he's in control. He is sovereign. It's important to remember that. I heard one pastor tell his congregation something interesting, and, and the, first, the first line that he says has a lot of tension in it. And so I want to just leave you there before we get to the ending on it. He goes like this to his, his congregation. He goes, I don't want you to live your life for Christ. Yeah, I don't want you to live your life for Christ. And there's some buildup like, wait, what are you talking about? Like they're, they're, they're basically ready to fire him, right? And then he goes, no, I want Christ to live his life through you. That's a little shift, right? I don't want you to just live for Christ. I want, I want you to allow Christ. I would say it probably more accurately like this. I want you to live for Christ by allowing Christ to live in and through you. That's what he's trying to say. And he puts a little hyperbole in there to get your attention. So let me ask you this. Do we invite God to partner with us and help us in our daily life? Or does God invite us to partner with him as he helps us live each day for his glory? It's just one of those subtle shifts in your heart 
that seems like it's so close together, but by the time, if you're just off one degree, by the time you get to the end of your life, you could be so far off from what God had for you just in those little, those little nuances in your heart. And this verse reorients us and says, no, no, no. God invites us to partner with him and he empowers us to do all that he's called us to do. So what does this practically look like to allow Jesus to live his life through you? And you might want to write some of these down, but I'm going to give you three, and it's this. The first thing that we can do is we can be submitted to God's word. If we want Christ to live through us and by the power of the Holy Spirit and we, we, the first thing we need to do is, is put a little check. Are we submitted to God's word? In other words, is there anything in God's word that you're not willing to be obedient to? Is there anything that God's word says that you're like, mm, I know it says that, but that's not what I want to do. And that's not what I'm going to do. It's impossible to let Christ live through you if you're not willing to submit to his word. And the second one would be this, that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at the end, I want to talk a little bit about what that might look like, but we need to be submitted to God's word. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need to, we need to be aimed at pleasing the Heavenly Father. If your aim isn't to live for the glory of God or to please the Father, you could get so far off. If your aim is to please man, you know how crazy in control other people will be of your life? If you care too much about what they think, what their opinions are, right? Pleasing man. Not that we want to displease man on purpose, right? That's kind of jerky. But that's not the aim of our life. Our aim is to live to please our Father. And this is part of what it looks like for us to engage in allowing Christ to live through us. And so as a church, we want Jesus to do his ministry through us. Amen? We don't want to just come up with like, this is what we want to do, or this is what we think we should do. We want Jesus to, 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 to come into our church and lead our church. The Bible says that Jesus is the lead shepherd of the flock, and we're a flock, and Jesus is our pastor. I am not, I know my, my title is volunteer lead pastor, but he's volunteer lead pastor, Right? I'm just a human that gets to do what I get to do, and I love it, but he is the one leading. My, my most important job as the, as the human lead pastor is to submit to the, the real lead pastor. That, we have to start at that place and ask who's following who. This first demands that we do that. And then we can build on it. And the second thing in your notes is this, that humans should make wise plans. Humans should make wise plans. It says, a person's heart plans his way. That's not a bad thing. A person's heart plans his way. There's no rebuke to that. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. And now if you have your paper Bible, I'm going to reward you again. And I want you to, to circle, underline or, or underline, or highlight the conjunction, but... Right? Conjunction is a word like but or and. And in there, there's a but. Did you see that? I want you to circle or highlight that. And I want you to know this, that the Hebrew, 
which is translated from Hebrew, this word actually could mean either and or but, and there's no preference. This translator chose to put a but there, but even this translator in the side notes says that it could be and or but, and it probably should be both. He's not giving preference to it because he thinks that we should choose one or the other. It just, it just flows a little bit better. And so there's an and and a but in this verse, and it's there intentionally to give tension and to broaden and deepen what it's actually saying. So we need to take some time and kind of think through that. Imagine if it says this, a person's heart plans his ways and the Lord determines his steps. Changes it a little bit. That means we all have responsibility. So here's kind of, if you're getting cocky in your life about your plan-making ability and how hard you work, if you're always telling me about how hard you work and, and that's your, your pride about how hard you work, and I, I'm proud of you too. It's a good thing. But if that's becoming a little bit making you cocky, it might be healthy to meditate on the conjunction as a but, right? Like, yeah, you're out making it happen and you're making plans and you're, and you're going after it and you're working hard and that's a good thing. But also, remember the success that you're having, God gets the glory, right? God gets the glory. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is trying to reorient the people of Israel and he says basically, like, be careful not to forget the Lord. He says it like five times from verse uh, 13 on. Forget, don't forget the Lord. And then he says, look, when you go into the land and you have success and gain wealth and build beautiful houses. The, the text actually says that. Like, you're going to go build these beautiful houses that people are going to look at and you're going to enjoy. But remember, the Lord led you out of Egypt and through a ton of struggles when you're in the wilderness and the Lord brought you into this land and the Lord gave you everything that he gave you. He gave you the strength to be able to do what you do. He gave you the intelligence to be able to make good plans. He gave you wisdom. He gave you an upbringing. He gave you education. He gave you everything that you had. And so he, he concludes it in verse 17, 18. He says, so you may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you power to even gain wealth. So sometimes we might need to let it just be a but. But remember who gets the credit. Also, and here's, here's maybe a t-shirt we should make. If anyone's into making t-shirts, I just thought of this one. I don't want to let it go. You might say, you did X, Y, Z, but the Lord gets the C. C stands for credit. If you have to explain it, it's not a good t-shirt. Okay. But on the other hand, if you're, going to, if, you're, if, you're, if you're discouraged, think about this. If you're discouraged in your life, like, like things haven't worked out, or you're starting to feel like no matter how hard I try, just like it doesn't work out, and it's not fair, and if you're getting discouraged, or if you're getting lazy, right? Sometimes we get that way. We go through seasons where like, I just don't want to right now, right? I don't want to try. I don't want to make plans. I don't want to. I don't care. I don't want to care. You might need to let the conjunction be an and, if that's you. Because here's the thing. Next to that but that you circled, I want you to go over in your margins and write or and. It can be but or and. And I want you to write humble work ethic. 
This is teaching us to have a balance of a humble work ethic. We're supposed to work hard. We're supposed to care. But we're supposed to be humble because we know who gets to see. And here's the thing, scripturally, theologically, God created us to make plans and work hard on this earth. God created us to make plans and work hard on this earth. And if, if you're like, okay, I don't know if I agree with that, let's get into the scriptures. I'll show you from, from the beginning. From creation, it has been God's will for humans to work hard, to be creative, to work together, to be unselfish, to steward the creation, which includes the environment, uh, to fill the earth, right? To multiply it. It includes the environment, plants, animals, justice issues, society issues, politics, as well as put other, uh, other people's needs before our own. This was God's will and his design in creation before sin entered the world. Genesis 1, if you guys know the Bible, Genesis 3 is when sin comes in. So this is Genesis 1, this is before sin. This is BS, before sin. I don't know how long before sin. If you have to explain it, it's not a good t-shirt. Genesis 1.28, God blesses them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. And then, of course, when sin comes along, all of those things are still there, but they get hard, right? It's, it, it becomes really hard to have a job. It becomes really hard to be married or not be married. It, it be, becomes really hard to raise kids. And the number one issue is that because we become really selfish. That's what, that's what Genesis 3 basically is saying. The curse is selfishness. We're self-centered. And so what's the remedy? Take your eyes off of yourself. Put them on Christ put them on others because that's how God created you to flourish. That's how God created everything to flourish. Rabbi Ginsberg and Weinberg, obviously Jewish. These are non-Christian Jews who, who wrote a commentary about this verse. Thank you, Ruben, for sharing it with me. And it, he, they say this, the verb plot or plans in this verse, the, the, a, a human's heart plans or plots his ways. The word plans or plots used here is not the expected word that, that should be used, right? That's interesting to know. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know Hebrew, so I didn't know that. It says it's a word that means intense analysis to determine one's appropriate path. So a, a human, as, as we should have an intense desire to know what our path is going to be, to, to think through like what, and to, really it's to make the most of the time that we have, to steward everything that we have for the, and, and to leverage it for the greatest impact. And there's a lot in there. Like, what does impact mean to you? Like, what are your goals? So we're getting into a lot of tension, but this word is intentionally used, and it's an intense word. And it can be either good or bad in the scriptures. It's used probably like 35 times in the Old Testament, the same word. Sometimes it's used for people who make bad intention plans. And sometimes it's used for good intentions or plans. So just making plans is not good or bad. It's how you make your plans that can be good or bad. 
Making plans is not just good or bad because some people put a lot of time, money, energy, intelligence, resource, skill into really bad, ugly, evil plots. Like 9-11. A a man planned that. That was a very intelligent, well-thought-out plan. But was it good? It was bad. But then also some people make really they use, so how are you using your abilities to plan and to work hard? This is the tension that this verse brings. But the basic idea is that working hard and having a good work ethic is virtuous. And if we use that for the right reasons, that's what God wants. And so a little back to basics time, uh, to understand God's grace, how many of you guys know that God gives us a fresh start? Right? There's a but God in your story. Like you were living in sin, but God made himself known to you somehow. He used people, he used whatever he used. We all have a story, right? And the but God in the story is 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 when we realized life is like for me, it was like the party scene isn't fulfilling. I need something more, and God is that thing. And and that was that was the pathway for me. And then in every season, I need to relearn that. The world offers all these things in every season. And in every season, God's always the best choice, right? I have to keep relearning that in every season, right? But God gives us a fresh start. And that's not just when you get saved. How many of you guys know that his mercies are new every morning? He gives us a fresh start every day. Every day you have a fresh start and a chance to to live for God's glory, to make good plans, that are, are, are God-honoring and to work hard for the right reasons. And he's not done with you. How many of you guys know God gives us a fresh start and he's growing you every day? And that's what it says in, in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, until you go home to be with him or he rip, rips open the skies and comes back and gets us. He's at work in your life. Fresh starts every day. All the time he's at work. How many of you guys know that the best way to honor that is to desire to know God and desire to serve God? That's the best way to dishonor, to, to, to honor those fresh starts is to desire to know him and actually desire to be like him in serving others and, and in loving the Father. And then not only that, he gives us spiritual gifts. It says that in Romans it's 12, he says that everybody, when you become a believer, he gives you a fresh start, he gives you salvation, and then he gives you gifts and abilities so that you can do work, spiritual work, kingdom work on this earth. Every single person in this room who is a believer has spiritual gifts. So the best way to, to honor and, 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 and that, that idea is that we would desire to know what our spiritual gifts are. And it says that in 1 Corinthians. We should desire to know what our gifts are and then desire to use them for his glory, to serve others and to serve the kingdom. And that God, how many of you guys know that God has a plan for our lives? We've been saying this a lot in Ephesians 2.10. It says we are God's workmanship poema. We're his poem, his, the work of his hands created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. He already has a plan. 
Or in Hebrews 12, it says that we should throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and we should run with perseverance, which means it might get hard, right? But we should run the race that he has marked out for us. If our life was a 5K, he's he's marked it out for us to run. He has a plan for our lives. We have a fresh start. We have the Holy Spirit in us, working through us, giving us gifts and helping us use those. And he has a plan. That changes things radically if you listen. And he gives us new desires. How many of you guys think desires are bad? Put your hand away. Desires is God's chosen, one of God's chosen ways to help you figure out what to do in your life. Desires are like plans. They're not good or bad. It depends on what the desire is. Depends on what the plan is. And so this is an interesting verse in Psalm 37, 4. David says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, this is what this does not mean. It doesn't mean, you know that bike you want? Go to church and be really good and he'll give you that heart's desire. It's not what this verse means. It means something radically different. It means if you spend time delighting in the Lord, if you, if you really just understand how wonderful he is and how worth it he is, that anything that you would have to lay down in order to follow his plan would be so worth it. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll literally change your heart and give you the desires that are in your heart. He'll, he'll literally give you your heart's desires. Here's some desires for you, Johanna. Now go, now, now go, like, go crazy with those, right? That's what he does. He gives you the desires of your heart. So we best honor God or start that process by what? By delighting in the Lord. That's the answer. So all these things are, are best kept humbly in his hands. And as a church, we should make wise plans. Amen? And we should trust him to guide our steps. That's how we embrace this as a church. Our first mission as a church and as a people is to seek to hear God's will with the intention of obedience, right? We want to know what he says with the intention of obedience, to ask for wisdom, that, that we would know God's, what God's will is for our church, and that we would ask for courage to do all that he leads us to do. And the number three thing in your notes is this, that we, we, need, we should work hard, right? We got that? But we should hold our plans loosely. We need to hold our plans loosely. The same uh, Jewish rabbis that, that Reuben hooked me up with, um, at least their book, I never met them. But he says this, he says, like many other verses in scripture, this verse teaches that a man is not in control of his own destiny. He can only make plans, but the ultimate outcome, however, is in the hands of Hashem. Hashem means blessed be the name. That's why you know this is a very Jewish author, right? Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, the prophet, says something very very similar. In Jeremiah 10, 23, he says, I know, Lord, that a person's way or life is not his own. No one who walks determines his own step in the Lord's hands. And we're going to have the worship team come back up as we kind of land this plane, hopefully. As we prepare to kind of sing songs that declare who God is. 
This is some, some, just some thoughts. For one, I really believe, and, I've, and, I've, and, I, and I hold on to this as, as a teaching pastor, that we make our plans and God, and God directs our steps. So I know every, every Sunday that I have a plan and I'm going to teach, but it is up to the Lord what you hear. So I don't know, and I don't like to get in too much into the weeds and get in the way of that. But I just trust that the Lord has kind of maybe, maybe, maybe prompted some shifts in your thoughts, in your heart. He's kind of pointed out some things like maybe I'm off a degree or 20 there, right? And that's a good thing. And so in this time, I just want to prepare us that this time is really about reorienting our hearts and our minds to, to who ultimately gets all the worth. Worship is about worth ship. That's what the word means. Giving him the worth. And as we prepare, um, how might God be speaking to your heart? At the end, if we have a little bit of time, I'm going to let you guys kind of share some of that. But as you're processing it, let me ask you a couple questions that, 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 might, that have been helping me process through this. And the first one is this. Is some of your anxiety a result of not giving it to him? And I want to stop right there. Not all of anxiety is as simple as that. There's a lot of complexity in this that I don't understand. And so I don't want anyone to feel guilty in this thought process. But just maybe, is there just a little bit to take some off the edge? Maybe is part of the answer at least saying, God, help, help me not carry these burdens. Because he did say, come to me, all you who have burdens. That means he's understanding. He knows how hard life is. And he knows that we're going to get anxious sometime. Right? But maybe one of those things is just saying, Lord, would you come and meet me in some of this anxiety and take the pressure off because ultimately you're in charge. Let me ask you this. Are you bored as a Christian? I mean, sometimes you get bored as a Christian. You start going, this is kind of boring. I want something more. Right? Am I the only one? Is that not going to make the t-shirt list? If you're bored as a Christian, I want to just help you maybe unpack that a little bit. Is it because you're not being content? Is there maybe just a little bit of like, I, don't, I want more, and you're not being content? Or maybe it's the other side of the pendulum, and it's that God has called you to do more, but you're playing it way too safe. Maybe you're bored because you're bored. <laughs> because you're living a boring faith. That's not what God's called you to. Or maybe it's that you're just in a season where he's calling you to be content with where you're at and he's doing something deeper. I don't know. Maybe just ask the Lord. If you're bored right now, just ask the Lord, what's going on there? What's going on under the engine there? Are you surrendered to his word? Are you actively just feeling a little rebellious to God right now in this season? Like, I know you say this, but I'm doing this, right? That's a rebellion. That's not submitted to his word. That is not going to lead you where you want. Are you filled by the spirit? Or are you being filled by the spirit? And what does that look like, by the way? That's like a very Christian-y, weird thing to say, right? Like, the answer is be more filled with the spirit. <laughs> Where's Yoda at? You know, like I need some guidance, Right? Well, here's some practical things to be filled with the Spirit. How do you fill your car up with gas? How do you, how do you, how do you drive around being filled with gas? 
in your vehicle. You got to take some time and show up at a place that will fill you with gas. So actually coming to church with the right intention is one way of being filled with the spirit or getting into the word of God with that intentionality. Like, like practically you can be being filled with the spirit or Paul wouldn't have gave you that advice if it was just something that happened was out of your control. There are things that we can do. We can engage and want that and show up. We could go to community group. We could get involved. We could serve. We could do so many things. If, if you're bored right now, start doing Young Life. You will never be bored again. Again, you'll have more of the anxiety piece, right? <laughs> and that's a good tension. Are you living for the audience of one? And then who is that one? If it's yourself, that's not right. If it's somebody who you're in a codependent relationship with, that's not right. Is it him? Are you living for an, to please the Father? These are all ways that we can engage and, and figure out, God, give me new desires. Help me to take those desires and use everything that you've given me, the spiritual gifts, the abilities, the resources, and leverage those for the right goals. I want to set goals. And I want to work hard. And I want to hold them loosely. And I just want to throw out the one that's touching me the most. Is, is your agenda, is your agenda keeping you from his agenda? Because it has been for me. And what that looks like, and I've been sharing with this, this with you guys, is like I, I tend to let my, my, the mission of my life be getting stuff done. And I make plans, and usually they're, sometimes they're good plans, right? Sometimes they're a little selfish, I don't know. But, but I think for the most part, they're more good than selfish, at least in the balance of humanity, right? But, but here's the thing. I make these plans and then I don't leave any room for margin usually. I'm like super busy and super work hard because maybe a little bit of me, like that's where I find my value or acceptance. Like I'm okay because I'm trying hard, right? And that's not a bad thing, but the, the, the reorienting thing is I always know the check engine light is when, when I'm so busy doing things and then it doesn't go my way. Man, I get so frustrated, I lose my, I mean, I keep my game face on, but inside I'm boiling, right? And that's saying something about, and here's what it is for me. It's that my agenda is more important than God's agenda or anyone else's agenda. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.